our top story this morning. A One bust in Maplewood, that's where Jeff Frilly stands. Transportation with rising gas prices. This is Real News Talk. We bring you the hottest topics, conversation, and digital radio entertainment, all at the speed of news. And now, here's your host. Welcome to Real News Talk. I'm Zach Lewis, uh, sitting with not Matt Stoker this week, but actually a new individual to our wonderful podcast. His first time on the mic ever in his whole life. He's never done this before. <laughs> yes, first time ever. That's right. Uh, Josh Hart, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Zach. Josh, how'd you get tangled up with this uh, this well, crazy vagab- group of vagabonds? I have been in broadcast media for the last 13 years doing different stuff and knowing Jeff in and out of you know his inner workings with media, which he has several. Uh, and so one day I kind of got tired of doing that. I kind of had done everything I wanted to do and was looking for a place to go. And Jeff said, hey, I have a great division over here that's doing some pretty impressive things. So I, I jumped ship and now I'm on the RNCN team. Yeah, well, welcome home. Yeah, th- <laughs> We're happy you. to have you. It's been yeah. a long time. We're glad you're back. Yeah. Uh, those of you who read the title or description of this podcast where you clicked on it know that it's not about Josh Hart, unfortunately. unfortunately yeah. Next time, though. Next time. Rain check. <laughs> uh, we are also joined in studio with Chanel Christoph Davis. Chanel, welcome to the show. Thank you. So I guess the first thing, Chanel, let's talk about you. That's the reason okay. we're sitting here, of course. All but right. For those who don't know, who might need a little bit of a uh, an elevator speech approach, give us a little rundown. Who is Chanel Christoph, Christoph Davis? I am a wife. I'm a mother, um, entrepreneur, serial entrepreneur. I'm an artist, okay? A lot of people don't know that about me. I paint. Um, my business is Davis, Davis Harmon, LLC. We are a sales tax consulting group based here in Dallas. Um, we work with co- corporations in all 50 states, all around the country, and we help them manage their sales tax. When you say serial entrepreneur, and I mm-hmm. want to dig into kind of everything you talked about, okay. because I love that you started with wife, followed by mother, followed by entrepreneur, serial entrepreneur, then artist. That's an interesting kind of descent of title there, and I dig it. Um, but let's start with serial entrepreneur. Um, sure. What does that mean exactly? <laughs> My first business, I was eight years old. We were at my best friend's house. We took all of my best friend's mother's groceries out of her pantry, <laughs> and we sold them on the front porch. <laughs> that was my first business venture. Nice. How'd it go? Really well. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know why we did that. I don't know what, what made us. And first of all, you have to know my friend's family to understand that it could have only happened at her house because if it would have been at my house, I wouldn't be here to talk to you today. <laughs> but so th- we just got this bright idea. We, you know, let's take the, you know how you get the packages of mm-hmm. 24 chips? Let's bust that open and sell them on the porch. Yeah. And we did that. Did I mean, I you were eight know. years old. I can't imagine you had a particularly wide profit margin on your pricing. I don't know why we did it. I well, yeah. don't know if we were trying to raise money money to do something. It just seemed like a great idea. We were bored. Yeah, that, that, that is a good idea in theory because there's no overhead. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> right. you're, you're not spending a dime. Yeah. So. Exactly. Now, it's not very sustainable. But right. other than that, you know. Right. Right. Most, right. Kid, most kids sold lemonade where I came from. <laughs> right. But, I mean, it's, it's neither here nor there. I grew up in Texas. You grew up in New Orleans. You grew up in New Orleans. Yeah, so you know the second job or the second um, venture, entrepreneur venture that we did with my best friend and her little brother, same same group of people, we went to the neighborhood um, ice cream parlor. Okay. Because we felt like the 
teenagers in, in the neighborhood needed a place to hang out. So we had a proposition that we would rally the troops, all the, the preteens in the neighborhood, get them to come there on Friday nights, spend money, and have a place to hang out. You know, so we had a business plan. You know, we we promote this thing for them. Win-win for them. We're going to bring you guys loads of customers. Like, duh, right? It was the best plan ever. They told us no. <laughs> uh, so that didn't work out. Um, and then in high school, I was the, the girl who sold Rice Krispie Treats. Okay. So that was pretty successful until comp- competition started to, to set in because I was successful. <laughs> so yeah. then everybody wants to yep. sell Rice Krispie There's Treats. There's always a shark in the water. Yes, sure. yeah. So, you know, then they started to put, you know, M&Ms in their Rice Krispie mm-hmm. Treats to make it a little, you know, a little spicy. So I left that business venture go. Um, and then in college, you know, we started, my husband and I, then my, my um, boyfriend, mm-hmm. We started the student chapter of the National Association of Black Accountants at my university, at the University of New Orleans, just so that we can see African Americans graduate from school and actually get jobs. Yeah. Because it was not a great um, rate of success with finding jobs in accounting after graduation. So we thought, let's do something about this. So we chartered a chapter of that, of that organization on our campus. Um, we brought professionals from the local New Orleans area in, on campus to speak to us and train us and in interviewing skills and how to write a resume, how to present yourself, all the things you need to know to be a professional. Yeah. And um, our, our group was a great success. So a lot of our students got internships for the first time, for, got, got, um, graduated and had jobs out of college, and the chapter still exists today. That's so, great. You're clearly somebody who is, who's dreaming big. I mean, I you, yeah, clearly, like you were doing, I mean, yeah, I wasn't, you know, having any, any startups when I was a kid. I wasn't trying to sell things, but like, I, you know, I figured, oh, I, you know, I'll be an adult and I'll figure it out then. You were, you clearly didn't have an issue just going for it when you were a kid. You probably didn't know any better then. It was like, well, I'm just, it's just something to do, right? Like, always creative. Yeah. Always thinking of business. My mom actually had apartment build a complexes behind our home. So we had two apartment homes behind our house. And I was talking to my mother as a child, you know, if we were to, fix this this up a little bit more we can get more rent like you know all we have to do is invest it like that was my mind yeah. as a child yeah. i was always trying to figure out how to make our situation better you know so i think that just that's that was just my personality from the start right and this is one of the things i i like so much about this show is yeah our opportunity to talk to people who kind of just pass through here because we meet the sometimes the most interesting individuals um looking at college i wanted to ask about the university of new orleans um you met your husband there I met my husband there my first semester freshman year in college. Oh, wow. Like almost high school sweethearts. Almost. So close and yet so far. Yes. How far out of the way was University of New Orleans? Did he live in the state? I mean, it, how, how did your city. paths cross exactly? It, it was the weirdest thing. He was a returning student. He uh, had, you know, gotten a scholarship in for music. He was kind of a child prodigy in music. music. Oh, wow. So he had a full scholarship for Tulane. He messed that up. And left school, <laughs> uh, went to the military to uh-huh. get, you know, education benefits and sure. come back, you know, when he's a little older, a little bit more mature. Mm-hmm. So I met him. He was a returning student. I was, you know, fresh out of high school, and that's how we met. Were you in a sorority? Yes, I was. So you did my research. Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. It's starting to come out a little bit. Yeah. Tell me about that. Um, I pledged Delta Sigma Theta. Right. Yes. Uh, my second to last semester in college. And it's a lifetime membership, still very active in the sorority. So, yes. Right. I 
I saw. I, I might have spied. You were you're still a little involved with it. Yes. Yes. What do, what do you do? How do you how do you kind of perpetuate that? Um, I do a lot of the local programs. There's a local alumni chapter, so whenever there's opportunities to speak on a panel or to volunteer. Um, I'm always available to lend my time and my talents to the organization to keep the organization going. I think it means a lot because I think a lot of people, at least in my experience going to college, um, a lot of people kind of presume that, yeah, fraternity or sorority, it's, it's an organization, but like sometimes it's just an excuse to get together and party. And like, <laughs> it seems like you did not, that wasn't it. Like you seem to still be involved. You seem to get a lot from it. Yes. Um, so yeah, was, was that an experience you had or you feel like it was like... Was it was it primarily business? Was it an organization? Was it like a, a really productive thing, or it was, was it like it was we're gonna social. get together and, and be friends? Or I mean, yeah. What do you think? It was social as well as philanthropy. Um, a lot of our civil rights leaders joined that organization and um, are very active. A lot of actual actresses, you know, that well-known actresses that you guys may know if I say their name or members as well. So typically. For, there's like a divine nine sororities and fraternities within um, this particular council. When you join, you join for a lifetime. So you're always, you know, tapped into the sorority and you're, you know, doing public service um, and giving back to your community um, for a lifetime. So it's a great organization. Yeah. Yeah. It's just weird. I don't know. I, I never never got tangled up in the scene. And I, I wonder if I should regret that or not. Nah. Uh, jo- Josh, were you ever? No. He said no. <laughs> no, you're fine. Yeah. No, it's fine. Don't, don't look back. It's uh, cr- <laughs> one of the things I have a question about is when you're talking about how you were a serial entrepreneur and started mm-hmm. when you were eight years old, have any of your kids shown that similar interest yet? My daughter, she is interesting. She is very much creative, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, she tends to be more music-based. She's kind of uh, a child prodigy as well. And, um her instrument is uh, clarinet, but she composes and writes her own oh, music. Wow. Um, she attends Booker T. Washington High School for oh, the arts, great. performing yeah. arts. And so, you know, her whole, you know, Christmas list was about, you know, she wanted a microphone. She needed mm-hmm. the headphone, you know. <laughs> so she wants to compose her own music. And so she's always been very creative. I, I, I think of the childhood endeavors that I had as an entrepreneur, you know, mm-hmm. as a child. It's funny because I, I never earned any real money, but I consider it, it was an entrepreneurship um, endeavor. Where was really my creativity. You know, yep. I was always trying to do something and be productive in my my outreach tend to be towards businesses. Yeah. Um, and hers is towards music, yeah. you know. Yeah. So she... Um, She's she's interesting. I'll, I'll be very interested to see what she does when she um, becomes an adult. Yeah. Does your does your husband still play? Do they? They play, play together? together. They're jam. What They're, does he play? They have a jam session every now and then. Yeah. Um, he plays all brass instruments. Oh wow! So he plays trumpet, mellophone. <laughs> he plays all brass. The, just the loud ones. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and I, you know, I'm, I'm I'm talking like I know a whole lot of. I really don't know a lot about music, but they they have that connection, which is really you know That's I'm cool. I'm happy for them. You know, that it seems like everyone from New Orleans has some sort of musical ability, like ingrained. Yeah, in them. yeah, yeah. Uh, Something in the water. Yeah, <laughs> I remember I went there one time, and I'll never do it again. Uh, during during Mardi Gras, mm-hmm. and it was just it was too intense for it's me. Too much going on. Too much going on. And so I remember like the first night I, I did the whole like the whole strip, and you know, and then the next night I walked the opposite direction yes. as far as I could go, and I saw a sign for a band called Bonarama. Oh yeah. 
I yeah. Yes. And I was like, of course <laughs> I have to go in. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yes. yeah, and it's all it's all trombone band that really? did covers. And they did a cover of Led Zeppelin that blew my mind. It's probably it awesome. just like Led Zeppelin. Really? And like, yeah, guys from other clubs were coming up and you know, they would Jamming do their with set. Them. Yeah, then they would play and then some of those guys would leave to go to another club. It was just this whole vibe in the scene. I fell in love with that in that Aspect, moment. Yes. Yeah. Of New Orleans, and I've been back several times again just to go and hear music because you can never. There's always something going on in New Orleans. That that's a really cool aspect. All the time, yeah. every weekend, there's something going on—a festival or something. Yeah. You graduated in '96 from oh, wow. from college with yes. a bachelor of science in accounting and management. Mm-hmm. Why accounting and management? Well, that's another interesting story. Yeah. Um, I had a full ride to, to any state university really? um, in Louisiana. Yes. Oh my gosh. So I went to Louisiana. I went to UNO because I'm from New Orleans and I stayed home and attended college and didn't really have a whole lot of guidance, you know, about what to study or what to do. I knew I wanted to be in the College of Business. I did know that. So I just kind of hung out in the College of Business and I took every intro to everything you could think of. Intro to marketing, intro to you know business law, just intro, intro, intro. Because I had no idea what I was going to study, and so um, I was like a a, a a very good student. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I mean, because I mean, I had this full ride. Yeah, you got a full yeah, ride. Right? Yeah, you had I mean, to have been a good student. So sure. I could just go to school as much as I wanted, and um, but really had no focus on what I was going to kind of aim towards. You know, the, the the dean of the college called me in and said, you know, you're going to have to pick a major. You know, you have a lot of credits. And I was like, really? You know? <laughs> what? What? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, you know, it's time for you to kind of declare a major, you know, or are we going to put you, we're going to, you know, make you transfer to the College of uh, of Life is what they called it. And that's the, the School of you, Hard Knocks. You don't want to be in that no. college. <laughs> So I talked to my then boyfriend and said, hey, you know, they're gonna, they're threatening to kick me out of the College of Business. <laughs> if I don't pick a major, they're going to put me in the College of Life. And he was like, no, that, that cannot happen. Like, yeah. He said, you know, you should really consider taking the accounting class because he, he already had declared accounting his major. Okay. And so, you know, why don't you take intro to accounting with me? And um, I think, you, you know, you might be good at it. You never know. You know, check it out. And I was like, okay, sure. It's just, not, you know, that class did not come into my radar as something that would be fun a intro to accounting Account, yeah like, okay. who, it doesn't know, sound sexy a little bit no. of a stereotype around that sure no. yeah but intro to marketing that sounds fun yeah intro to pr i'll do that yeah. you know a good time so he said well you'll know, take intro to accounting with me and, and see what you think and literally i took the class and i blew every curve i made a hundred on every test oh wow <laughs> Like, sometimes I made 110. It was yeah. ridiculous. And that was with your boyfriend in the class. Yeah. That's a big so, ass. So, yeah. yeah. And he's like, what? Hey, I mean, he's trying to pass notes. Yeah. Like, no, I got to pay attention here. He's shocked. He's like, yeah. what is going on? So they have, you know, people in the class begging the professor to, you know, give them a curve because they were making 50s and 55s. And I was so confused. I'm like, what? Why are you struck? I, I didn't get it. You know, but I was an, always a numbers person. Back you, were, to, you were that kid. Back to the yeah. business yeah. side of everything. I was always a numbers person. I always could, you know count my way out of anything mm-hmm. so I didn't get what was what the struggle was and so I think the third time I blew the curve the professor in the class said you know have you declared a major and I, in front of everybody and I was like no I don't have a major yet he said I think you need to consider accounting you know <laughs> and uh I just I mean I just killed it I mean every accounting class I just blew it out of the water to the point where professors were walking up to me and asking me you're Chanel Christoph, right yeah and I was like yeah yeah I can't wait to have you in my class. I'm like, oh my God. I'm like building a reputation, you know? 
And in accounting, it's funny because when you take the, the intro class, it's kind of to weed you out. Mm-hmm. You know, they want to get rid of the people who are not serious about accounting. Then there's two intermediates after intro, and they really further try to weed you out. They try to make it as hard as possible. They only want serious students. And I was killing it. I mean, like, they were they were blown away by me. Yeah. So from there, I just decided, okay, I guess I'll be an accounting major. And then I had so <laughs> many, I had so many I credits. Guess. Yeah. I had so many credits when I graduated that I ended up having a double major of accounting and management. Didn't plan it. it just That's just the way it was. It just kind of worked out that way. Yeah. You graduated in 96. You immediately became a senior associate at PricewaterhouseCoopers. Yes. When Moved I graduated college from radio school, <laughs> I worked at a restaurant. So that sounds like quite the title. Yeah, yes. senior associate. Tell me about that. Well, you know, um, I was heavily recruited out of college. Okay. You know, I was very fortunate, you know, because of my grades and my leadership positions with NABA, the National Association of Black Accountants. Um, I was really targeted by the local firms um, in New Orleans. And um, because of NABA, we would come to Dallas to do a student type of little conference, you know, to find internships and find meet the businesses here. And I came here one summer and I interned with Mobile Oil Company at the time. It wasn't Exxon Mobile, it was just Mobile Oil Company. And I interned for a summer and I liked Dallas. I was like, wow, Dallas is so different from New Orleans. I mean, like it, it blew me away, you know. Um, New Orleans is, is very Caribbean, you know. I mean, we just, you know, let the good times roll. I mean, sure. it's kind of like everyone's laid back, you know. There's not a whole lot of hustle. And I came here, it was like, wow, everyone here is so young and so, you know, productive and, and impressive. So I kind of kept Dallas in the back of my head. Well, out of graduating from college, I got an offer for PricewaterhouseCoopers here in Dallas, and as well as Arthur Anderson in Florida. And I decided to come back to Dallas because I had some frame of reference, right? And um, it was my first position, real position out of college. And I really owe a lot to that experience because it taught me how to be a professional. It taught me how to work hard, how to present myself. You know, we would have to, we were like babies. And we'd have to go into a group of, of senior executives and tell them about their books and tell them what they did wrong. It was crazy, <laughs> right? Yeah. And they're like, you know, even though you're, you're young, you're a professional and they're, they're going to listen to what you say based on how you say it. Mm-hmm. So it really taught me how to present myself in front of, you know, real senior people and build our confidence. It was a great experience. So you've been in Dallas like 22 years. Yes. And did, did the boyfriend move over with you right away? Was he still Actually, doing the military he, thing? He moved to Houston. Okay. And he worked for the Texas State Comptroller's Office. Comptroller's Office. As a sales tax auditor, which right. kind of brings into focus how we got into sales tax. Yeah. Yeah. So he started his career as a sales tax auditor in Houston. And then we got engaged. And a year later, he moved and transferred here. And we started our life here in Dallas together. And what year was that? 98, 97? It was like 97. He moved to Dallas. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So he transferred to the Comptroller's Office. And then I recruited him to PricewaterhouseCoopers because, of course, I wanted the bonus. Mm-hmm. Hello. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Nothing to do with him. It's, yeah, <laughs> like, it's all, all one-sided bonus. Yeah. So he did sales tax consulting with PricewaterhouseCoopers. And um, I actually left Price and went to Verizon, an, an internal audit. And we decided, hey, we want to start our own business. We want to do something for ourselves. And we, um, we started our firm together. Right. I did want to ask about Verizon before we get to Davis and Davis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like a hard turn. You had three years at Pricewaterhouse, then you did 
a little over two years, a little under two years at Verizon. I about three years of from '99 to '01. Yeah, yes. kind of a hard hard left turn there. Like, yeah, oh, out, out of something I don't know to a tel- telemarketing telecom. company. Yeah, telecom. telecom. Yeah, that's. Yeah. It was the best career move of my life. I mean, it was uh, so That means awesome. a lot considering what you do now. It was awesome. Yeah. I mean, traveled, like we traveled all around the world for, for Verizon, you know, auditing in their different business units. So one month I might be in Florida, you know, auditing uh, phone books. Like, <laughs> I mean, literally we would audit their phone book business. Yeah. And the next, you know, month I might be in, you know, Philly auditing their, you know, payphone business, you know. Mm-hmm. So we would just go around um as teams, teams of of uh of auditors and audit their business units from a financial perspective to make sure there's no revenue leakage, fraud, you know, make sure that their controls were tight. Um things of that nature. So typically a business uh, a VP of a particular area would either invite us to come in because they suspected something was going on mm-hmm. or it would be a part of their audit universe where they would have to touch certain business units yeah and so it would be like a rotation where we would have to go in and see so many business units within a year it was fun though man we traveled a ton we had a blast we would get these crazy weekend trip per diems where we can go like to la and hang out you know on their dime for the week. it was wow. so much fun yes. yeah yeah, so it was like the best gig for a young person, you know? Right, and it's interesting, I think, each each kind of professional shift you've had, jumping from picking a university to hanging out at University of New Orleans for a few years, PricewaterhouseCoopers in Dallas, you moved a big way, then you go to Verizon and you're bouncing around and getting per diems. What made you think, you know what, i got to start doing my own thing here. What made you want to get out of that? Well, you know, uh, a couple of reasons. I left internal audit because I wanted to start a family and you can't okay. start a family when you're globe trotting. I mean literally I married my husband and I left him. I was like okay I gotta go on this, <laughs> I have to go on this audit trip you know and yeah. I you know I called my mom like oh my gosh if you see my work schedule I'm not gonna be home for six months and she's like you have to go talk to somebody let them know you just got married and I'm like mama don't work like that you know <laughs> I can't I can't yeah. go cry and yeah. get them to take me off these audits so but after three years and I had a blast, I was like, you know, I need to slow it down and try to, you know, yeah. bring it back to Dallas and, and focus on, on building a family. And we always wanted to to start again. You know, he has an entrepreneurial spirit as well. We wanted to start some sort of business for ourselves. It was always in the back of our mind. We thought, you know, we can start daiquiri shops here, right? There's no daiquiri oh, shop in that. Dallas, daiquiri right? Daiquiri shop, sure, yeah. So, we, you know, we thought we would open the first New Orleans branded, you know, daiquiri shop in Dallas. Then, you know, he made a mean red beans and rice. We were like, maybe we can get you to can those red beans and rice. Like, I mean, we were just always yeah, sure. brainstorming. <laughs> yeah. on what could we do together, you know, for ourselves? And um, one day someone called my husband and asked him for his resume because they wanted to add him to a proposal for this, the comptroller's office. They were, audit- they were actually hiring back ex-auditors to be like contractors mm-hmm. to go out and audit businesses on their behalf. So my husband was like, well, what, you know, tell me a little bit about this RFP. And they're like, you know, well, you know, I, want, I saw your background and your experience and I would like to add you to our proposal. And he said, give me the RFP number. And so they gave him the number. So he hangs up and he Googles like, okay, RP number one, two, three, four, yeah. five. And he's like, oh, hell, we can put together our own proposal and submit ourselves to, to win this proposal. I mean, literally, we're like kids. But we're like, hey, what, what do we have to lose, right? Let's, yeah. let's submit our credentials and see if we can get our own package, you know, get our own contract. And we, we put together our contract uh, proposal and we won. 
and we quit our jobs and we haven't looked back since. It oh, is wow. it is wacky when somebody says, you know, I need to settle down and start a family. They usually don't say in the same hand, I need to start a business. <laughs> yeah. Like, I need to start my own company. That's what I need to do. And a family. I'll just, yeah. I'll just do yeah. both. Yeah. Um, how, I guess I guess the, the real question here first is, is like, that happened in, in 2001, 2001. 17 years, long time. Yeah. What did you learn from, from starting your own thing? Like, what are some of the things as an entrepreneur that you were like, man, this is... I mean, what I've heard from entrepreneurs is that like some of the best lessons in life you can learn from yeah. being able to take that leap and not look back and say, I'm going to do it on my own. And clearly you have. Yes. You're clearly successful at it. So what was that like starting out? And, and what did you, you know, kind of learn along the way in that first year or two? Looking back, I've realized that youth was on our side because okay. we started the month after September 11th. Oh, wow. And no one starts a business after a, a huge you know, national crisis. Yeah. But we we didn't know enough to not know that that was a bad idea. <laughs> no, that's you know like, we yeah, were yeah, so young. Like, yeah. like, yeah, why not? And we were so focused. You know, when you're young, you're focused on yourself mm-hmm. you know, uh, to a certain extent. Yeah. And we always felt like, you know, hey, if this business doesn't work, we could always go back and get another job in accounting. Like, you know, what's 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 the downside? But at least we tried. Um, I think a couple things, especially working in a family business, because we were husband and wife for years. You know, we worked together side by side. Um, communication was very, very big, you know, communicating to each other what we wanted to do in the business. Um, I'm more of a creative person, visionary type of person. Um, so my focus is always on how to grow this thing. I wanted to grow it beyond it being a mom and pop shop, yep. you know. So my focus is always growth, growth, growth. How do we get to the next level? He's more of a, a tactician. You know, he's very great with our clients. He is an operations person. So he's a person that's down in the weeds doing the work and making sure that our clients are satisfied and, and happy. So over time, we started to realize that this is a good thing, you know, mm-hmm. that we have two, basically two sides of a, of a brain, a left brain person and a right brain person. I can do the work. I can actually do the audit work, and I'm really good at it, mm-hmm. clearly, because I'm, I'm a numbers person. But I, what makes me the most happy is to grow the business beyond ourselves, to duplicate ourselves. And now we've grown our business to have eight employees where we're actually responsible for the welfare of other people and their families. Mm -hmm. For me, that is like so awesome that we can actually employ people and and contribute in that way to to society. That's great. Something that's always fascinated me about uh, a husband and wife couple that work together Mm -hmm. is just... Any kind of any kind of necessity for space for a lot of for a lot of couples, it's like, well, I go to work. It's forty hours a week. I can kind of clear my head, and we can, you know, yeah, we can do we our set. own thing for a minute. How, how does that work for the two of you? I mean, you seem to work together just fine. You know, for the first five years, we worked very much hand in hand. I mean, those those are the hustle years. You know what I mean? You gotta, yeah. Yeah. So we were definitely, you know, in the thick of it together. Yeah. But over time, like I said, you know, it became obvious where my strengths were which, you know, I'm the person that will lean towards public speaking. I'm the person that will lean towards going to network for the business. That's something that I enjoy, and that's a talent of mine. His, he loves, you know, the tax law and to actually find the best solution and to really advocate and fight for our clients. That's his passion. So in an average day, we really don't work together anymore. You know, we have employees now. Um, that, you know, each of us have that work under us. Um, we still have what well, we have to come together as a leadership team. We have a third partner now, um, Dion Harmon. You know, we work together as a leadership team where we have to, you know, set the strategy for the firm. 
But on a day-to-day basis, I really don't, you know, we don't really work together anymore. Yeah. So it, it, it kind of evolved past us, you know, working. There. I mean, in the beginning, we were literally driving to work together. And that was a bit much. <laughs> that was a bit much, I have to admit. You know, in the car with your husband, driving to work Talking every day. Talking about work. That was, that was yeah. tough. Um, but, yeah, it's, I mean, we've been doing it now for, you know, 17 years. So it's grown so much. No, I think, I think something like that can cultivate a genuinely healthy environment for an entrepreneurial business. Because I've heard a lot of entrepreneurs say, like, it's not like a nine to five. Like, this is your life. Yes. This, yeah, this is what you're doing all the time. So when you're living with your partner and, like, that is what you're doing, yeah, I can get on board with that. Like, yes. you're both constantly thinking works in the back of your mind all the time. And I think that's important to a successful business. How was adding... A third partner, adding a name on the end of Davis and Davis. When did that happen, and how did how did that come about? We officially changed our name uh, January first, twenty eighteen. Oh wow, this yes. was really recent. Very recent. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yes. Yeah, he's been with us seven years, almost eight years now. Oh my gosh! And again, he adds another aspect of our business that you know um, that was much needed, and you didn't realize you needed it until you know it showed up. Um, he's a great business mind as well. You know, great for business development. Um, and he's just added so much um, dimension to our business with, you know, vision and growth and taking care of our clients. You know, we've grown past the point where my, my husband could handle all the work himself, you know, so we had to duplicate him as well. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, now that they both, ha- you know, are operating and taking care of our clients, they both have, you know, staff reporting to them. It's um, it's really helping us to to duplicate the business and grow the business. Clearly, there's no shortage of like work available. Your company is growing. You're adding a partner. You've been doing this a while. When do you find time to public speak? And to follow that, when did you get into public speaking? You know, I set a plan in 2015. Okay. Kind of recent. It was the year where I said, you know, I need to get out and, and do some public speaking. Because um, Dallas is, is very interesting. It is very it's interesting. A, it's a great <laughs> town for business, clearly. We have, I think, the highest number of corporate headquarters are based in Dallas besides, I think, New York, maybe number one. Yeah. I think Dallas is number two or number three. We're we're really close to the top. So the playground is plentiful so far as opportunities for business. I mean, we have a lot of opportunity for growth here. But to get outside of the bubble of Dallas, Texas (laughs) is hard. Yeah. Sure. And the only way I can see we would be able to do that is to do public speaking. So I, I basically would do lunch and learns locally. And I would send out, you know, calls to different um, chapters of the AICPA um, Association of, of Certified Public Accountants, and let them know that I was available to talk on sales tax because there there aren't sales, CPAs don't specialize in sales tax. They actually tend to shy away from it. Mm-hmm. They focus more on, on federal, you know, IRS issues. So they're always looking for resources for who they can refer their clients to. So I was like, you know, hey, this might be a way for us to break outside of Dallas market area mm-hmm. and um, increase our brand outside of Texas. And it really has been a great addition to our business development plan. And, you know, besides, I'll, I can talk to a stop sign. So it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't bother me to do public speaking at all. I, I quite enjoy it. So it's, it's, it's been fun for me as well. If accountants, at least the certified public ones, normally shy away from sales tax, why why didn't you get into it? Of all avenues to kind of drive down. Well, you know, when we first started our business, I, I spoke on this a little bit. We were contract auditors for the state of Texas. Right. So they would send us out to, you know, audit La Madeline. 
you know, blockbuster video. You remember that? Dropping some big names. Right? Yeah. 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 Blockbuster video. Heavy hitters. Um, Pizza Hut, you know. Um, we Pizza also Hut. We also did the same thing for the city of New Orleans. So the city of New Orleans would have us to audit companies that were based in Dallas that had a responsibility in the city. So Sally Beauty. And if you think of all the the brick and mortar stores that's based in a, any given city, they needed someone to audit those companies to see if they're getting all the sales tax that they were due. And it's millions of dollars for a, a local municipality. Like they, they we, we can bring them millions. So it's, it's a big deal for them. Um, but we, we also had to do audit mom and pops. You know, we yep. audit the corner stores. And we realized, wow, there's a big difference between the expertise at say a La Madeline or a, Sal- or a Sally Beauty and you know a gas station owner like they just didn't have anyone professionally available to help them navigate sales tax issues but for them a bad audit could mean that their business was going to close down because the money was so you know um large for them you know a, a bad assessment could shut the business down so that's when we started to pivot our business and realize that hey there's an opportunity here yeah. you know it's just was no one taking care of those companies so we really focused on middle market size companies and making sure that they had proper representation and someone that can advocate for them and, and make sure that they get a fair shake in front of the state between being a wife a mother a serial entrepreneur and a public speaker when do you find time to do art when does that happen? That's ha- it's getting harder and harder. Yeah, I believe it. It is. Yeah. You know, I used to paint a lot. Really? Yeah. And um, the last couple of years, it's, got, it's gotten a lot tougher because we have been growing at an exponential rate. So, um, but I love it. I mean, it's just for me, it's a meditation, you know? Yeah. It's the time, my personal time that I can lock up in my art studio and just put on some music and just, you know, paint. It's just so so much fun for me. No, I really dig your stuff. Yeah, like your your, your website is funny. Before the show, that for the research, I the little research I do for the show, I don't want you to think I'm, <laughs> I'm too incredible or anything. But yeah, I kept coming across your website, ChristophDavis.com, and I kept thinking like, is this how, this has got to be the same person? But I don't know for sure. That's yeah, it's me. it's tough. Yeah, yeah, but well done. Very impressed. I'm curious, what, uh, what kind of music do you listen to in your studio? What do you got? I love for? Jasmine Sullivan. Okay. She's one of my favorites. I love uh, Maxwell, a lot of smooth jazz and soul music. Love some smooth jazz soul. Yeah. Why not? Um, that kind of relaxes me, mellows me out. I can get into it. I've been listening to a lot of oldies blues lately. Real odd. I know. Oh. I, don't, I don't know why. But See, what, what you guys need to do is do the uh, Scandal Spotify playlist. Is it really good? <laughs> oh. Oh, some great. You're right. Yeah. They have a great soundtrack. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Just good hit tip. play and walk away. That's yep. a good tip. Just yeah. let, let that play out. Yeah. Well, I guess wrapping things up, Chanel, um, I want to ask, in, in 2015, you wanted to get into public speaking. In 2018, you've added a partner. What's uh, what's coming around the bend? What's coming up? What do you got going well, on? Well, you know, life? I think a fabulous podcast is coming up. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, also, I'll be speaking this year at the AICPA's uh, Florida Institute's, their, their national conf- conference in um Orlando. Okay, so you will make it down to Florida after all. Yeah, Yeah. I'll be at Disney World speaking on sales tax topics. I also want to expand my sales tax speaking or my speaking engagements, excuse me, into, you know, entrepreneurship topics. You know, I've done it for so many years, you know, to talk about strategy and branding and um, supplier diversity, some of the the areas that I've kind of honed in on and and, um, grown some expertise in. I think I can help other um, business owners 
who are aspiring to grow their, you know, their business, I can help them in those areas. Well, shoot. Thanks for taking the time to sit down with us, Chanel. Uh, before you go, I, I do want to say, um, how can people find out more about you? Where can people get a hold of you? What do you got going on in your life? Well, our website, if you're interested in learning about sales tax, and I know that sounds like a very sexy mm -hmm. topic. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going there right now. Yeah. Are you going there right now? <laughs> yeah. You can't stop me. Our social media handle is sales tax help, at sales tax help. And our website is ddhtax.com. Ddhtax.com. And if people want to buy your art, where do they go? Chris, you see, you 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 put me on you put me out there. Put me on art. blast. Yeah, look, I, 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 look <laughs> I, I dig some good art, man. You gotta you gotta support the arts. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. And it, it really is an ode to my hometown. Yeah. It is. If you see the colors, you're gonna think about New Orleans. Yeah. Um, my website is Christoph Davis, or ChristophDavis.com. All right. Well. Shoot, check out ChristophDavis.com and um, you know, she'll answer all your sales tax questions and art-related inquiries. Chanel, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yep. This is fun. Yeah, it was a good time. Thanks a lot. All right. Destination for premium talk radio.